You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 485, McCartney 3, Is It Any Good? The return of the concept album and the Blair Kitsch project. Tony Blair, The Opera? That's all coming up after The Passions and I'm in love with a German film star.
terrifically atmospheric, conjuring up visions of German film noir, black and white mm. movies. Uh, the reality is a little more prosaic. It's written about one of the roadies for The Clash, who was an extra <laughs> in some German films. So that kind of maybe takes a little bit of the the edge off it. But um, oh, they're right. Their only chart success, number 25 on the UK Top 40 in 1981, The Passions, and I'm in love with a German film star. Oh, so, so great, that that song. And actually, and I know this is probably going to depress a lot of people, usual proviso when it comes to me and how old I am. I'm sorry, but it's not my fault. Um, I wasn't really hugely around in the... Well, I was around in the 80s, but I wasn't necessarily that concentrated on indie music. Well, you but were I'd, minus three when this was a hit. So. I, indeed. But having said that, when I was... Uh, a, a youth, and I even have been when I was a student. I found an album, the sadly now departed Wells Music in Southwark, one of my favourite ever places to go. I'm so sorry that the the retiring owners couldn't find someone to take it on, but uh, I they I bought a CD from there that was called I think Alternative Eighties. There are probably a number of these compilations of this nature, but anyway, I heard a lot. I bought it basically because I didn't have Blue Monday and it had Blue Monday on it, and it had loads of brilliant songs of that era. And that was the first time I heard I'd heard this song because weirdly I just I just hadn't come across. I think it's only really, and we might talk about this a bit later on, it's only really in the last, I think, in the last 10 to 15 years that, and Simon Reynolds writes really well about this in Retromania, that that we have really become adept and, and, and interested in, in nostalgia, I suppose, really. And before that, it was the sort of record you just never heard. Before, they might play it on Six Music now, I suppose, but you just never came across mm. it. So it was the first time I'd heard it in about 2002, 2003. It was almost like it had been dropped from space, frankly. It was like nothing I'd ever heard, and I thought it was brill, and I still do. I think it's such an atmospheric record. And I, lo- I when I was younger, I used to hate records that took ages to get going, and now I just love them. It's almost like you're playing the elaborate game of chicken, isn't it? When's the vocal going to come in? Is there going to be a vocal, yeah. or is it going to be one of Terence's hated instrumentals. Indeed. I'm sorry to have ruined it by, for everybody by saying, revealing that it was actually written about Steve uh, <laughs> Connolly, the, who was called Rodent, <laughs> who was a, a roadie with the clash. Never Hello. Mind. Thanks for joining us at the Parish Council. It's episode 485. I'm Terence Dackham. And, well, look, we've seen all the speculation in the media all week. Let's find out if it's true. Is she replacing Jesse in Little Mix? It's Juliet Harris. Do you know, weirdly, they haven't called. I was expecting that call and they haven't, which is a pity. I can't believe it. I mean, my name begins with the same letter, so if they've had snazzy jackets made with initials on, yeah. I can shoot, you know, I could I could have the same. Anyway, never mind. I wish Jessie Nelson well in all of her future endeavours, and I also wish Little Mix well um, in continuing on to be, I say this country's best girl group at the moment. As far as I can see, this country's only girl group, but they are good at it, so I wish them well. Hello, by the way. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> oh, yes, that, uh, that formality. Now, I've been thinking a lot about Paul McCartney this week. He has a new album out, McCartney 3, mm. which we're going to talk about in a minute. But I was thinking about some sort of facts or stats about Paul. That Fact, because... Factoids. Hey, Fact... hey Terrence, well, we, love the show. We kind of know about these, but maybe they're worth considering a new. Because I, I think this is quite interesting. The, the Beatles formed properly with Pete Best in 1960 and split in 1970 as we know Mm. so Paul McCartney was famous ish as a Beatle for 10 years 60 to 1970 but he's been famous for not being a Beatle 
for 50 years from 1970 mm. to now. Um, and yet, you know, he's still, <laughs> the poor man still <laughs> goes around him as old Beatle Paul, you know? And that also interesting, I think, that it means that Paul McCartney has been famous around the world, recognizable everywhere for 57 of his 78 years. Wow. So he can probably no longer remember what it's like to be unknown. To be, yeah, to be not famous, indeed. Absolutely. And and finally, just one, one more quick stat, but I do think these are quite interesting. <laughs> they, they're Paul, very interesting. It's very kind of you. Paul was in the Beatles for 10 years, as, as I hmm. said, but he's been with his current touring band for nearly 19 years. So that's nearly Gosh. twice as long as he was with the Beatles. Hmm. So, again, it kind of puts, you know, we... we of course I do, particularly I was there at the time, but we see the Beatles as this kind of huge monolith. But in actual fact, you know, in, in actual reality of being alive as an entity, mm. uh, they were actually, you know, very small. I mean, you could argue, of course, that the Beatles were only f- famous from 64 to 70 because 64 was when th- when they broke through around the world and particularly Ed Sullivan and so on. However, this week, Paul McCartney has released his 18th solo album. And as with McCartney 1 and McCartney 2, he plays all the instruments and he's composed everything and he produced it. Let's hear a short clip of Find My Way from McCartney 3. So, Jules, the big question is McCartney 3. Is it any good? I mean, we we may disagree on this, but my answer, our survey says ping. Yes, I think it is good. I uh, I listened to it this afternoon whilst I was doing some work. Admittedly, I was having a day that roughly resembled hell on wheels, so I might not have given it my full attention. But I have to say, from what I've heard so far, I'm pleasantly surprised. I wanted to like it, so I'm trying to be careful that I'm not being a critic that just, you know, I, but I am being a critic. I'm careful that I'm not just going, oh, I, this is good because I want to like this. I think the playing is absolutely superb. I think Paul McCartney is a really, really talented multi-instrumentalist, and I don't ever think he quite gets his uh his full due yes there are moments of fluff and filler but to be frank there are on every paul mccartney album and there are on most albums let's be honest and you know when you and i tried to come up with albums some classic artists we could only get three each the other week couldn't we yeah. so so um i and actually i think weirdly his voice yes his voice is is not what it was but actually Weirdly, I think it suits the time. I think it suits the um. I think it suits the weird time we're in. I love the fact that he's basically made the last of the trilogy at home during lockdown. I think the vulnerability in his voice is kind of suited to that. I really like this. I'm glad it's in the world. I'm glad he made it. I think it's. I think it's good. I. I can't give you my full verdict until I've listened to it several times. But certainly on Pom first listen, I found much more of interest in it and sort of emotional connection in it than I have for you know with several of his. Life solo records not that i hadn't enjoyed moments on them but i like this a lot you're right i'm not going to agree i i really wanted (laughs) i really wanted to like mccartney 3 very much but i found it largely baffling to me i mean Yes, as you say, his voice is nowhere near what it once was. I mean, he can't help that. Of course, it's the sands of time uh, rushing through the hourglass. But 
he could have done more with these songs i feel most of them sound like demos and one or two should have been locked in a cupboard there's a bizarre track called lavatory lil which yes, really that is, is that awful. is strange i it could have, i could awful. have i could have lived without that i admit that actually i quite like the demo feel of it i am mm. um, i can understand what you're saying i, I you know i do but mate but i i, I quite i it feels like it fits the moment the demo feel really mm. i don't know i i i think if i wasn't listening to it at this time i might find it stranger but maybe Maybe he wouldn't have made it at this time, and maybe that's what I like about it. I don't know. I I, I get that it's not. I get that it's not the full powered McCartney of yore, but I quite like that evolution, really. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll say why I think the demo. You know, it's a bunch of demos thing doesn't really hold because. But first of all, I, I do believe. I suspect that syndrome once again, where there's no one talking about Lavatory Lil and a couple of mm. other songs. There's nobody again powerful or close enough to Paul to say, hold on, this needs reworked or this mm, one needs maybe, to be Maybe, maybe. Probably doesn't care about that and, and might argue that what he releases is his business. But the um I say this out of you know, I say both out of love and for his reputation. But the thing about the demo bit is because McCartney three is being marketed as a full-blown release. And now this is extraordinary. With all the usual razzmatazz of various options on CD, Mm. cassette, vinyl, to collect all of the variations because there's different coloured vinyl. Oh, yes, there's there's loads. There's like 12 different colours of vinyl, isn't there? There is. To collect all the variations, if you were a super fan, seriously, you'd be spending nearly a 1,000 English pounds um, Uh, to do so. And that's not value. And that's why I think putting out... If it was put out as McCartney through the demos and it was at a low-budget price and it didn't have all this marketing resumes and a 1,000 pounds worth of uh, collectability, as it were, Fair enough. Um, it, it, I see it as a series of home demos of fairly weak songs. There's a couple of OK melodies, but not a great deal more. And it's fair. I find it very sad. I feel this won't be remembered as a McCartney classic. And even more sadly, what struck me about it with his vocal range now so heavily limited and indeed his speaking voice. I've watched and listened to mm. several interviews he's given this week. And sadly, even his speaking voice now, he's catching his throat all the time as he speaks i wonder as a reflection on that how much longer can he go on recording and recording sorry and particularly touring well and 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 you know i i i I don't think there is there is much to go on that and actually maybe that's another reason why i found this album poignant and i'm quite glad it's been made maybe he knows that yeah and and but i mean i i have more time for it than you do but i i do see what you're saying but you know, I'm glad to have it. And and actually, I don't think the songs are that. Yes, I think Lavatory Lil is a, well, it, it, like something you might one might find in a lavatory. I agree with you that it's not very yes. good. But um, yes. yeah, but um, I, I, you know, I, I maybe maybe the fact that, you know, maybe <laughs> maybe the, the I think the plague is so good because it mm. detracts from the vocals. I don't know. But um, but no, I, I you know, I, I like it. I think it's, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it and I'll probably listen to it again. I think um, it'd be interesting to see if. My, if my ardour for it wears off, if you see what mm. I mean, if if my pleasure to have it in my life and to have it back wears off over time, maybe it's an, it might be a novelty. I don't know. I'd, I'd be I'd be more interested in how I felt after four or five listens. I think. 
that's fair enough yep that's fair enough and who knows i might head in the other direction yeah say, I was gonna it's say, a classic may- yeah maybe in th- maybe you'll be picking yeah tell you what you mark my words terence in feb you'll be picking songs from paul mccartney's yes. excellent th- mccartney three for the podcast <laughs> coming right up yay it's the rebirth of the concept album Woo-hoo. <laughs> that's next after tamika jones with herbie man I like any version of the Sidewinder, but I particularly like that version. I I played this when I was doing my run of uh, uh, Saturday social sh- uh, radio shows earlier this year, which were Northern Soul, Motown, etc. I played this, and a friend of mine who very much shares your view re instrumentals, Terence. I like her already. Touch. Indeed, I think you get odd actually, mostly because the two of you are not backwards in coming forwards in your <laughs> expressions about my negative life choices. But anyway, we move on. Or and, uh, I say that with love. We move right. on, and uh, and she texted me during it and went, "You're playing an instrumental," and I said, "There's a vocal on this," and she said, "Yes, but I feel that it wants to be an instrumental, and maybe that's that. You know, this is a this is a, a famous instrumental." that happens to have a perfunctory vocal over the top maybe paul mccartney could have made it after your your yes. feelings of it of him in the last topic but uh, i really like that I, I love the sidewinder's attitude anyway regardless of who it's by and i, I think the vocal on that's really playful and i love anything that makes me feel like i'm at a late 50s early 60s cocktail party so that was uh, tamika jones and a uh, herbie man and uh, the sidewinder it's kind of inevitable that the album that that was on with herbie man was called a man and a woman. Uh, I don't think you would get an album named that way today, but that's what Perhaps they called it not, back in the no. 60s. But what I do like about this album, 11 tracks, 28 minutes. 
that's the mm, way to do it. Absolutely. You you count them in and you count them out again. <laughs> when I was a teenager in the 1970s, you couldn't move for concept albums. Mm. Every record shop was crammed with double albums with gatefold sleeves and the windows of the record stores. They were all covered with promotional material for these concept albums, posters full of elves and pinball wizards and mm. prisms of light bursting through triangles to produce a rainbow. Problem was, <laughs> very often these concept albums suffered from being a simple idea push too far mm. and you get one or two decent songs and the rest was filler i'm not sure i'd say, i'm not sure i'd say that about dark side of the moon but go on <laughs> <laughs> worse I, do you know i've never heard it in, uh, I, I don't think i've ever heard dark side oh, of the moon. really yeah well i i, I personally i recommend it but then i recommended mccartney three so what well, do i indeed. know <laughs> yes now, worse still some of these concept albums were then played live in full and one of the mm. longest evenings of my life <laughs> was in April 1975 at Wembley Arena, uh, then called the Empire Pool. Mm. And it was watching Genesis play right through their miserable tale about a Puerto Rico <sighs> lad from New York City. It was called The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Ah, that's what that is. I've never heard that, so I didn't uh, know. Well, about... I don't know about The Lamb, but I certainly needed a lie down after en mm. enduring the album for a couple of hours. Now we I, I mean I wouldn't want to see two hours of Genesis that oh, much anyway, I must admit. I've had they've had their moments for me, but um was it Phil Collins era Genesis? No, it was Peter Gabriel. Well that is Genesis. I suppose he a, a, a saving well, yeah, maybe you know, may, maybe everyone else should have left with him. I don't know. <laughs> well, we hear that the concept album is uh, making a comeback and Jules, I'm not sure. In the modern era, whether people have got the patience to listen through a concept album. Well, it's interesting. Maybe the maybe the key to making a concept album is to not market it as a concept album. So so there have been records in the last sort of 20 years which have been really successful but haven't necessarily been marketed but as a concept album. A Grand Don't Come for Free by The Streets, that is a concept album in that it tells a story from start to finish of, um, of Mike Skinner's kind of central character, as it were. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I like concept albums. I think they can work. Um, I would uh, cite the Eccentronic Research Council, who made some brilliant records. Their first record with Maxine Peake popping, she's often on their records, was about the Pendle Witch Trials. And I know there that, that that you know excellent concept albums about the Pendle Witch Trials is a niche. I'm not saying it isn't, but I did enjoy that very much. And they made another record um, about a, a fictional rock star called Johnny Rocket and a backing band who happened to be the what the Fat White family in disguise. Um, that uh, I used to happily fill my 40 minute journeys to work and back when I drove to a firm <laughs> in a different county. And I remember once so I came in the first time I heard it, and someone went, "Have you been parked in the car park for seven minutes?" It's nicer because I wanted to get to the end of this <laughs> album to hear how it ended. So I think they do have a place, I think, as long as I mean, I think I suppose it's a bit like political music. As long as that doesn't become the point of what you are making, then the music is likely to remain good, I think. And I think once once the concept or once the point or the message man of music becomes the music, that's when, you know, the, the actual creative musical content stops being that enjoyable in my experience. Uh, maybe people... 
I don't know. Part of me thinks that people will, I suppose, concept albums are like socialism, Terence. People will vote <laughs> for it as long as that's not what you're telling them it is. So maybe, maybe yeah. you can, maybe, maybe <laughs> part of me thinks, well, maybe people will enjoy them as long as you don't tell them they're a concept album, as long as you just say it's so-and-so's new album. And that's how you kind of drug people with concept albums. The other half of me thinks that maybe, and I don't know, I don't know, uh, weirdly I don't know as many young people as you do which is not a turn of events I would have necessarily mm. predicted but anyway maybe maybe if we have a generation which are perhaps searching for meaning again now I'm not necessarily saying we're due another summer of love we had rather a summer of discomfort didn't we really what were people trying to have raves when they mm. shouldn't have been but um maybe you know we, we we talk about millennials and yes i know we eye roll sometimes but given the challenges facing our planet and how that burden is largely going to fall on the shoulders of younger people and how they are facing a job market and a housing market that is like no other frankly um particularly in these covid times as well when we've seen lots of statistics that show that the burden of job losses are probably going to fall on the shoulders of younger people particularly you know with the difficulties for school leavers and that sort of thing mm. we might find a generation that likes the idea of a concept album because they might be looking for escape and meaning i don't know if there's something in that i don't know if that is just me overthinking it but i'd be interested it's interesting that younger bands are making them avalanches have come back with a concept album type records and i suppose a question back at you what do you define a concept album as being is it telling a story is it is it based on a certain theme does it have to actually have a narrative or can it just be here's some songs i wrote about trains i don't know what do you reckon <laughs> i've always seen it as uh, belonging to a theme mm. i mean i think another a good example of a concept album in which the concept is stretched to breaking point is the who's tommy which, oh gosh uh, yes like lamb lies down on broadway I, I suspect that nobody ever plays these albums through by the way uh, well, tommy quite. has maybe five decent songs on it out of 24 perhaps to some extent perhaps some extent um they are designed to be performed so maybe they're designed mm. to be seen although having said that i said that wasn't your experience with the lamb no, on broadway indeed, that, that, that wasn't yeah that, but yeah. maybe maybe they are i enjoyed for example um Damon Albarn, who we talked about before, he did an uh, an album called Monkey, and I think it was just called Monkey in the mid to late 2000s. He did eventually write a rock opera called Doctor D, but this was this Monkey was actually designed as an opera as it were, a sort of an opera style thing. And I remember listening to the album all the way through and thinking, I really like this, but I wish I was watching the story. And then I think they staged it. I've certainly seen a recording of it and it seemed to really, really work when it had visuals. So maybe some of mm. these albums lose a bit on the album that you would grab in the show. Although I'm not saying that applies to your Genesis experience. I've got a couple of um, good examples in a, mm. in a second. I scribbled down there. But in, in the 1970s concept albums, they were often considered at the time to be handed down rather like God giving Moses his tablets of stone. It, it was thought that the the Moody Blues and Emerson, Lake and Palmer were on a sort of higher plane mm. and were handing down <laughs> great insights of wisdom to us mere record buying people. But no, a couple, a couple of positives. Sometimes mm. it does work. XTC Skylarking, which is oh, beautifully yes. produced Good by idea. Todd Rundgren, yeah. um, looking at the circle of life. Um, Elton John and Bernie Torpin's reflections on their early years trying to make it in London. Captain Fantastic and the Brown mm. Dirt Cowboy. That's worth a listen to, listen or two. Um, and not strictly a concept album, but side two of Kate Bush's Hounds of Love, the conceptual piece 
um, mm. the ninth wave. I mean, that's simply wonderful. And it's probably my favourite um, of the lot, bar one. I'm giving top place um, to Marvin Gaye's What's Going On, which mm. was a, a fantastic portrayal of life in America in the early 70s, the sort of Vietnam War, poverty, the environment, um, genuinely a masterpiece. So, it, you know, it can be done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I think that's a really good example. And perhaps even in its own strange way, Sgt. Pepper was a concept album. If it was about uh, the Beatles being in a band that wasn't the Beatles, it was about them being, and perhaps David Bowie, Ziggy Stardust, Spiders from Mars. Isn't that a concept album too? I suppose more Ziggy than Sgt. Pepper, because I think uh, Sgt. Pepper is still a disparate range of songs. I suppose so, yes. But I do take your point. I mean, it was it was them. It starts and finishes with Sgt. Sgt. Pepper. And and of course, Ringo is uh, Ringo is Billy Shears as well. Don't forget when. So so. But yeah. So maybe maybe concept albums are best when they're just a sort of a loose theme rather than necessarily trying to tell Mm. well i say necessarily trying to tell you a story about different people ziggy maybe they work if they're about fictional bands given (laughs) that i enjoyed the centronic research council and we all like ziggy stardust so uh, so maybe concert albums work if they're not too bludgeoning they're not too long and they ideally talk about fictional musical artists maybe maybe that's the, the sweet spot for concept albums and maybe maybe a new generation will want something more than a disparate collection of songs maybe the age of streaming and you know but but it's consuming music in a very piecemeal fashion maybe all these things swing back eventually don't they look at the vinyl revival who would have predicted that a few years ago maybe maybe it will maybe there'll there'll be a, a move back towards things having some sort of meaning again i don't know Got a fair point. Now, coming next, the mm. Blair Kitsch Project. Hey. Tony Blair, the opera. That's Who right asked after. for this? This is my first question, but anyway, <laughs> let's talk about it in a minute. That's coming up after Pop Guns.
still recording and touring and uh, uh, touring until the difficulties of this year. Uh, a terrific band from Brighton and here showcasing the powerful voice of Wendy Morgan from 1990, mm. The Pop Guns and Someone You Love. I really love the Pop Guns and I had the pleasure of, of seeing them play at a festival that I helped put on about, I think it was three or four years ago now. And it was just so lovely to see them playing and playing Waiting for the Winter and and Landslide and lots of lovely songs. And then there were a lot of bands from the sort of late 80s, early 90s that didn't, that perhaps C86 emigres maybe and and particularly the C86 bands who I think never really truly get their due I don't think the Darling Buds the Pop Guns I I just I think there are some great bands in that era if they come if they weren't really C86 but they were sort of C86 adjacent they don't fall into C86 well they do but they I suppose they're not technically C86 they don't fall into Baggy they don't fall into Grunge they don't fall into Britpop and they kind of get forgotten about really and I'm I'm sorry that they do so maybe next year I will start using my slots on this podcast to kind of resurrect fans who I think have been uh, lost in the wasteland of 1988 <laughs> that's a good idea now I doubt when Noel Gallagher was at a reception at 10 Downing Street in the late 1990s sipping wine with Tony Blair mm, those are the days no no doubt both hoping that they were celebrating a breakthrough for a younger cooler more in touch form of government I doubt that either might have considered that 20 odd years later would see the announcement of Tony a Tony Blair rock <laughs> opera which um it may have something in common with our last topic of concept albums I suppose but I can't I suppose I can't really imagine The Who in 1970 coming up with Ted Heath, the opera. But, uh... <laughs> yes, when, when is Callahan the opera? When is that happening? <laughs> now, this Tony Blair opera is due to be staged next year in 2021 and will include a cast, cast of characters, uh, including Diana, Princess of Wales, and all the way to Saddam Hussein. Um, mm-hmm. Jules... Taking it as read that Tony Blair, the opera, may not open in either Iraq or Afghanistan. Um, what <laughs> what are its chances? And will you be there for the opening night of Tony? I mean, again, I don't really know who asked for this. I'm not really sure why we're <laughs> having this now. I don't know what new light it is gonna it's gonna shed on it. I note with with rising sort of dismay, not at him, but just at where he finds himself nowadays. Harry Hill has written the lyrics, apparently, which is uh, unfortunately, apart from World of TV, which I enjoyed very much earlier this year, he seems to be fast associating with huge flops, which is a pity. I thought you were joking. Every, he he seriously has written the lyrics for this well according to according to this guardian article article that i have that i have looked up tony a tony blair rock opera will be performed at the turbine theater in battersea power station in london next february with lyrics by the comedian harry hill good lord so i i just i find this firstly pointless in a way because also the problem with most modern satire is that it just isn't very good. It just, you know, the new spitting image hasn't been very good, just simply because no one can really seem to find anything clever or funny or 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 shocking or just surprising to say. Like, you know, when you were on spitting image and, and, and your your colleagues in the 80s and the 90s, you did find new things to say, and that's what made it work. Whereas most of the new clips I've seen from spitting image have been awful. I mean, they're all yes. of the characters have been one note. And I just, 
the thing was, if I felt they had something different and interesting and funny to say about Tony Blair, maybe it might work, despite the fact that, you know, it just seems odd to go back to that area. But when you look at all the people that are going to be in it, Osama Bin Laden, Bush, uh, Gordon Brown, Alistair Campbell, Peter Mandelson, and we've been told it will play fast and loose with the facts. And let's not revisit the topic that we uh, we, we slightly fractiously discussed the other week. But um, I, it just feels to me like it's just going to be uh, the same old pure old nonsense, really. And that's why I'm slightly just dis- maybe Harry Hill being involved will make it a bit better. But given his run of th- particularly theatrical and filmic flops that he's been opened, didn't that 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 musical that the X Factor musical that he co-wrote with someone oh, that was called yeah. something like Help I Can't Sing. Yeah, that shut after like three weeks or yeah, something crazy. Yeah. Doesn't fill me with confidence as much as I like Harry Hill, who I think is brilliant. I'm not. I'm not. This doesn't fill me with a great deal of um, of uh, you know of, of confidence. There was a Corbin the musical which opened on a much smaller stage, which apparently was meant to be reasonably okay, but. Um, you know, I, I find this depressing in two measures. One, because I think it's going to, I mean, I don't know, but I have a strong suspicion it's not going to say anything new and it's going to be rather puerile and, and covering yeah. old, you know, poodle ground. And also just because, you know, I just find it a bit strange and sad that people think, you know, that, that people, and, and, you know, I know that I'm as guilty as anyone with my kind of Britpop nostalgia, but even I think that some of it needs to be lift, left in the past. And, and I don't know, I just, it just feels rather stale idea, really. It feels like it's time has, has already gone, well, 10, 15 years ago. I think by calling it's just simply Tony, I think the producers of the of the Tony Blair Opera, they've missed a trick here because mm. instead of Porgy and Bess, they could have gone for Tony and Cherie, um, mm. perhaps influenced by Mazorsky instead of Boris Goodenough, they could have had Tony, not good enough. Ah, uh, very good. Uh, instead of the marriage of Figaro, they could have called it the inquiry of Chilcott. Ah, and, very good. Uh, or they could they could have gone down the Judy Garland route and just called it Tony, Tony, Tony. Does Iraq, <laughs> Iraq, Iraq? Couldn't they really? If they wanted to do, they wanted to do something like that. They could have done, couldn't they? Instead of La Bohème, let's bomb Iran. They should consider oh. these anyway. Personally, instead of operas about Tony Blair, I'd like to see more emphasis on his responsibility for the deaths of people in the Middle East and elsewhere mm-hmm. as he now flies around the world picking up a quarter of a million well, dollars for each speaking it's, engagement. And, it's, it's it. and, you know, being an advisor to, to Kazakhstan or Kyrgyzstan yes. or wherever it is. Indeed. Yeah, I, I find that. I find that, you know, I, I do. And and again, I think this is a this is a, you know, I don't want to say the word centrist, but this is a certain kind of European nostalgia for that kind of time. I think that, you know, that, that lots of what the new Labour government did was brilliant. They were the most economically redistributive government ever. And I will, you know, I find myself sort of slightly squeamishly defending that because actually Iraq was a disaster and it's not necessarily I do have a problem with that aspect of Tony Blair's office, but it's not even Tony Blair in office that I have a particular problem with. It's Tony Blair's behaviour since office that I have a problem with. And and given that I am a Labour supporter and I have a problem or a natural Labour supporter and I have a problem with that, I just think it's really strange that that and actually very telling of how the European campaign failed so badly, the Remain campaign failed so badly that 
people don't seem to be picking up that there is nuance about this, nuance about people's feelings about Tony Blair. And they're not really kind of um, they're not really kind of grasping what went wrong, I think, really. And it is possible to hold those two opinions of Blair at the same time, I think. And I don't think that by by I don't know, I, I just find this very I just find this very tinnied in either direction. If they're bringing it back because, you know, they're trying to revive Tony Blair, that is tinnied. But equally, why take a you know why as much as I don't agree with Blair's post office behaviour why take a pot shot at someone that left office 13 years ago I just I don't get it just feels like an easy target even even if you know it is good which it won't be I I, I just it just feels lazy and tired to me whatever the angle yeah I don't hold out much hope for it either now thanks as ever for being with us this week yes thank you yeah absolutely (laughs) now Jules if therefore you're not auditioning for the role as Princess Diana in Tony the Opera. <laughs> Do you know, that hadn't come to mind. Why don't they just get the girl that played Princess Diana in The Crown? Isn't she going to be like Michael Sheen and Tony Blair? She's going to be <laughs> Princess Diana for the rest of her life now. Well, assuming you're not doing that then, uh, maybe you'll be available to present some soothing tunes on the radio. Yes, I will be actually. Oh, there will be, there will be. It, uh, I won't finish with things will only get better. I will be, um, I will be doing <laughs> some. Uh, yeah, although that is uplifting and classic pop, I would say. But uh, yes, I'll be doing smooth sailing seven till nine on Sunday evening, and it will be, uh, mo. Uh, it'll be no, it won't be Motown because that was my other show I used to do. It will be sort Christmas. yourself out there, could you? I know, I know. Anyone would think I'm not a professional. Um, it will be a Christmas theme show, so every record you will hear will be a Christmassy type record, even if you don't. Don't like Christmas records they'll be easy listening they'll be pop they'll be yacht rock they'll be all those kind of bands doing Christmassy things they'll probably be let's be honest they'll probably be the Carpenters doing a Christmas song so so do pop along 7 till 9 p.m on uh on Sunday evening and that's on my mixer channel which is mixlr.com and then you find my name which is uh as you might know by now Juliet Harris hello <laughs> and um oh this is a great choice that you've picked to play us out absolutely well i'm glad you think so that is very kind of you to say um as you see we do like each other it's really nice um (laughs) i think this is great and actually this links to my point which unfortunately you didn't agree with so so uh, we'll just have to take my word on this without necessarily taking yours but the instrumentation because i thought the playing was so good on the mccartney album it did lead me to this i think this is a great pop record anyway but i think the playing on this record is outstanding from all of the musicians that played on it and particularly the bass player I think is wonderful and I you know I don't understand why this isn't more heralded though it still does get radio play I think from time to time but I I just adore this record I just think it's such a tour de force not least because unlike many records you think that it's hit its peak and it just gets better halfway through that the second half of the record I think is is just wonderful I love the way that it kind of you think it's a pretty good kind of pop song and then it just really sparked into life I, I adore it I think it's wonderful so these are the magic numbers and this is Love Me Like You Don't
to make it hard for you. All those years gone by, I only want to find a way to make it hard for you. You'll never forget it, the way that she was, she don't feel the same. I only want to find a way Listening to a Parish Council production. <laughs>